0: This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who aren't done yet. You may have seen the worst of aging and are hoping there's a better way. There is, and I'm going to show you how. In interviews, book reviews, rants, and stories each week, I'm going to bring you the latest science-based info on how to age better. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. It pisses me off and it's BS. Look, aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. And just to let the people listening know, you don't have to wait to 50 to start getting rebellious about your health. And today, my guest is Dr. Eric Plasker, and we are going to talk about that. And this guy is a true rebel. He has trained, he's a chiropractor. He's been a chiropractor for 35 years, trained over 10,000 doctors, and now he has a huge and growing business called the 100-Year Lifestyle. And I know sometimes people hear, oh gosh, we might live to 100. I don't want to do that. Dr. Plasker is going to give us some reasons to want to do that. Because you know what, you guys, if you still got love to give and receive and beautiful landscapes to see and all kinds of the things you want to do, why would you not want to live to 100 if you can get to those things, right? So, Dr. Eric Plasker, welcome to the Rebel Podcast. Thank you, Greg. And
1: uh, it's always great being with fellow rebels, longtime rebels, wannabe rebels. (laughs) Uh, And uh, and if you're new to this, you're going to like it. And if you're not, this is going to give you just some great inspiration to keep going and to keep living. So, excited to be with you.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you. And I wanted to start our conversation with some of the statistics that you know well, I'm sure by heart, that I took a few notes on that are staggering when it comes to this idea of living to 100. It's not just some airy-fairy pie-in-the-sky number, right? Tell us about the stats. Well, the stats are pretty clear. The Pew Research Foundation
1: found that the number of 100-year-old people is expected to grow by 800%. I believe the number is between now and 2050. It's a staggering number. People that are living longer, they're not necessarily living better. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are taking credit for people living longer that don't deserve the credit. It's not because of medicine. It's not because of surgeries. And certainly that's a small piece of it, but it's not the big piece. The big piece is is that we have called these 100-year-old people. We've said that these people are living on borrowed time. But what we're realizing now that it's really birthright time. That we are the first generation in history. I love this. This is huge one I'm about to say, that we are the first generation in history that is getting the advance notice that whether you like it or not, want to or not, you will probably live longer than you ever thought. So why not get there in style with health and vitality? We have to do it differently. We look at the generation that's living to 80, 90, and 100 today. And a lot of people say, I don't want to be like that. But these people are not like that because of their age. They're like that because they were blindsided by the reality of their birthright time, of their innate life expectancy. So they figured they were going to live till 60, rot away for a few years, spend a little retirement money, and then pass away one day. But people are living decades longer than they ever thought. So what are we going to do with this advanced notice? How can we live differently? We need to change the world to look at it differently because when you look at the assisted living centers, the Alzheimer care centers on uh, on every corner in every community, and people having the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday pills of twenty pills a day, thirty pills a day, and they're losing their brains and they're losing their relationships because they're losing function, not because of their age, but because of how they're living. And we need to change all of that because we are the first generation in history. People like you and people like I were considered rebels. But we're really not rebels. We're just speaking the truth and the reality of what's possible if we take care of ourselves along the way.
0: I love that. And I like the idea of being rebellious in our thinking. And in, I mean, the idea of changing the world is a crazy idea to say that, right? That you just said, we, we need to change the world and the way the world thinks about aging. And that's so true. And I think individually, other people might be like you and I, but they feel like, oh, my one attempt at better lifestyle is not going to change anything. It's not going to contribute to changing the world. But I have a feeling that you would disagree. I disagree. What would you say that it's not like one person can't make a difference?
1: Well, I believe one person can make a difference. And I can certainly tell you if you're listening to this, if one person can make a difference for you, it's you. <laughs> so, uh, so if you start there, what's going to happen, and what I realize myself is that if you are committed to changing yourself, you become more followable. Mm. And that's an important piece. If you're the kind of person that wants to make a difference and you're giving advice all the time, but you're not followable, you will become more followable if you change yourself and if you change your life. And I, you know, I know that for sure. I remember way back when I was early on in practice and not early on, like middle time in practice around 2002, I met Usher, the pop star, great guy, met him on a, uh, at a spa. My wife and I were at a spa in North Georgia, and he was a kid at the time, really, but booming everywhere. And you know, he, he said to me, he says, you know, can you help me? And I said, well, he says, I do this fancy maneuver. And I said, and he said, I want to be able to do this. It hurts when I do this. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Are you going to want to be able to do that just for the next few concerts? Or are you going to want to do that for like the next 20, 30, 40 years? He said, no, I want to do it for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And it changed him to get under chiropractic care. So now he's doing everything. He's probably healthier than ever and I haven't seen him in a while because he's all over the world. But at the time, I was not taking care of myself. I was, at the time, 60 pounds overweight. I had things happen in my life that were just very stressful to me with a child being injured and just some different types of situations that fortunately all resolved themselves in a great way. But I put myself last and I was not healthy. And I had this picture with Usher that I would not use out in the world because I was embarrassed And when I did use it, I found that people made fun of me, or I was self-conscious in a lot of ways. And I said, you know what? I need to make a change. I need to change my life. I started living the way that we're teaching people today. People say, you lost all that weight, Dr. Plash. When I said, no, I didn't. It was never mine. I haven't lost anything. (laughs) I'm not going to find it. I eliminated it. I changed my life. And that's what we're encouraging people to do, is to make changes. And I made a difference for me and became more followable. wrote a book. Started teaching the world, incorporated it into what I knew clinically, which was helping so many people and training so many doctors. And and so yes, you can make a difference for yourself, and you can make a difference for a lot of other people. And you know, it starts with making changes for yourself.
0: And that whole idea of change, nobody likes it. We don't want to hear that we have to change. But I am here to say that I really enjoy my life, and I don't deny myself the things I enjoy. But I've realized that. The habits of longevity include mindfulness about what I'm doing, what I'm putting in. And that includes, I'm not just talking about like chocolate, I'm not a big chocolate, uh, cookies, vanilla, oatmeal cookies. It's not that. I'm talking about how much I allow stress or events that come up to take over and create this thing in the body, this metabolic upset. Because as I say all the time, everything is food. Our thoughts what we eat, all of that creates the same hormonal cascades in our body. We can manage those things. So what I'm saying is that I had to, I kind of had to make changes along the way, but I've always been sort of inclined to eat well and exercise. I'm just sort of a fidgety person. But the things that I've, as I've gotten older, that I've had to change even more, they're not hard. It's just a matter. I was talking to, I interviewed a CBD guy the other day who had sent me a sample. And I said, it may be good for me, but it tastes horrible. And he said, so what? Take your medicine. Do you want the results or do you want to be like a baby because it doesn't taste good? (laughs) It's like, wow, cop smacked, but true, right? There are certain things you got to do.
1: You know, we say learn to love the things that are good for you. And I think that's really important. And, you know, the Halloween saying, trick or treat, well, the treats are tricks, they're not real. And so we have to learn that. We do have to grow up, right? We have to look at the world differently. And I'm kind of a change freak, Greg. I'm not one of those people. I disagree with the world's perspective on change because I'm a rebel. <laughs> I'm not going to go along with that. And so we actually have three life changing principles of the 100 year lifestyle that we have been teaching for a long time. If you want, I'll take you through them because I think they're really valuable. And the first one is the magnet principle. And this is if you want to make long term change, lifelong change, not like roller coaster change, not like lose weight, gain weight, you know, get money, lose money. I'm talking about compelling lifelong change. And if you're going to live to 100, what better time to start than today? And it starts with what's your motivation. Are you going to be just motivated by crisis or are you going to be motivated by quality of life? So from this moment on, these three life-changing principles, they can support you, whether you're crisis-motivated or quality-of-life-motivated, to move you in a position mentally, because it really starts mentally, spiritually, in your rebel spirit, to make this long-term change. And so the first principle, we call it the magnet principle. And it goes like this: it says, change is easy. Thinking about change is hard. Mm. So, so many people in their effort to change do not commit to change, they dabble in change. And so, you know, they'll try it, they'll think about it. Change is easy. Thinking about change is hard. Am I, do I really want to? I have all these addictions. Should I? Shouldn't I? And so they dabble in it. And so the universe tests you. And constantly throws temptation your way. And because you haven't committed to change, you haven't flipped the magnet, which I'll talk about in just a second, you are a victim to all of that. If you think about magnets, when I was a kid, I used to love playing with magnets. And if you're watching this on your YouTube or whatever channel you have it, if you have two magnets and the two, two North Poles are touching each other, the principle of magnetism says they're going to repel. Right? If you put two light poles towards each other, they repel. And no matter how hard you try to hold them together or hold it together, as soon as you ease up, bam, they pull apart because that's what the magnets do. But this always intrigued me, Greg, is that if you take those same magnets, same characteristics, same size, same shape, same magnetism, and you flip them around, now instead of requiring energy, To hold things together, to hold them together, to hold it together, they stick and it requires energy to pull them apart. I love that. I do too. Because that's the commitment to change. That's the change is easy, thinking about change is hard. So really what it comes down to from a change perspective is if you are committed to making those changes long term and you do a magnet flip, you draw a line in the sand, you learn to love the things that are good for you and you commit to the change. The temptation, I won't say it totally goes away, but you have the edge. It gives you the edge. It's like, no, no, you are a trick. You are not a treat. I'm not buying it. You're a liar. (laughs) I'm not buying into you anymore. You're trying to kill me. I'm not doing it. Your rebel spirit, as you would say, comes out. And so that's the first change principle that if you adopt it, I think that's really important. And I'm not going to tell you what you need to change. Everybody listening knows what they need to change. Oh, yes. So here's what we tell people all the time is that and here's a good question how many of you you know you, you have known you have needed to make this change for at least a week <coughs> or maybe it's been a month maybe for some of you it's been a year for some of you it's been decades with an s so here's the bad news it's not going away unless you make the changes you know you need to make. And if not making those changes is causing you some level of suffering, which no doubt that it is, then you're more, you have to decide if you're more committed to perpetual suffering than you are to making these changes. And that's why the magnet flip is so valuable. So you make that change and all of a sudden, the temptations start to go away. You start to attract support because people around you say, you know what, you're serious about this. You got you're serious. You know, I see that rebellious over 50 spirit in you, you know? You got that spirit. I'm not I'm going to leave you alone. I'm not going to tempt you. I'm going to go bother somewhere else. The food stops talking to you. The food you shouldn't be eating, it stops communicating with you from a thousand miles away. You know, so that's the first change principle. Change is easy thinking about change is hard. And then if you want, I'll go to number 2 or you can ask some questions about
0: that or give your insight. I think that's a great principle and it is the idea of commitment I've taken lots of great coaching training, and one of my mentors, his name is David Nagel, and he always used to say, you have to burn the ships so that there is no plan B if you want to make change in your life. You can't say, well, if this doesn't work out, well, if I really don't like the keto diet, maybe I'll try the, this diet. And if I really don't like you know, going to my regular doctor, maybe I'll find an alternative practice. Right? You just have to make a decision, and that is the way. And so that's what you're saying, I think, with the... Ma- and of course, somebody else, T. Harv used to say, don't think, don't think, don't think. They used to sell shirts with a block of those words across the front. <laughs>
1: thinking is what gets us in trouble. Sure. Yeah. I tell people, stop looking under the hood. It's dangerous under there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get your opinion. As you're talking about how people can know that they have to change for decades, the pharmaceutical industry has made it very easy for people to not have to change things. But it doesn't mean that it prolongs their quality of life at a certain point, right? We may get through taking our meds for high blood pressure, or statins, or whatever the people are getting. But at some point, the side effects start to catch up with us. I, I'm, not, I'm not including myself. I don't take any medication like that. But give me your thoughts on that. Well, I could tell you that this
1: is a rabbit hole we can go down that is a very, very slippery slope, but I'm a rebel, so here goes.
0: Well, and I ask. Uh, I, have,
1: I have a little slightly more than zero respect for the pharmaceutical industry. I think it's terrible what's going on. I, I see people, older people, that come in as patients with bags full of medication. Yeah. I, I am disappointed in the physicians that are out there in the world today that have become puppets to pharma and the drug company marketing on television it gets people and i've talked to doctors about this many times where the people come in asking for a certain drug and if the doctor won't give it to them and starts to be a doctor the patient says you know what i'm just going to go get somewhere else to get what i want yeah and this is a real problem and that's why people like you and i what we're doing reaching out to the people is so important and it kind of leads me to life changing principle number 2 the persistence principle aka also known as the titration principle. And the titration principle has to do with the medication. So I'm going to use that analogy here.
0: Okay.
1: So in a laboratory or like if you ever watch people test pool water, the lifeguards at your neighborhood pool testing pool water, they scoop up the water and put it in a little container and then they take a dropper and they want to test for the amount of chemistry that's in the pool to make sure that it's safe and healthy. So they drop, 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 nothing happens, 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 one last drop, everything changes, color changes. So how many drops does it take to make that change? Well, in a laboratory or in a pool, you get a a general idea. But in the human laboratory, we don't know. And so when you look up none of these drugs, none of them were tested for longevity, none of them. So if you're 30 years old and start taking a drug to help your lifestyle or to eliminate pain or something else, you're going to be taking that drug. Unless you make a lifestyle change, you're going to be taking that drug for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, except along the way, the titration, drop, 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 drop. You are dropping in your laboratory change that you did not ask for, that you may not be aware of that's going to destroy your brain, that may destroy your heart, that may destroy your liver, your kidneys, or any other organ that's in your body, your bladder, your bowel. And what's very interesting, and you never know when it's going to be. So people will say to me, like, we had a patient a couple of weeks ago who's been on blood pressure medication since he's 25. And I said, why? He said, well, because my father had heart disease. I said, but wait, time out. Your father had heart disease. Yeah, he had a heart attack at 45. And so he said, it runs in my family. I said, well, does heart disease run in your family or did smoking, overeating, lack of exercise, sitting too much, and stress run in your family? And he said, well, you know what? Everything you just said ran in my family. I said, then heart disease does not run in your family. And that's, I think, where we have been misguided and misled in so many ways that if you're a rebel in your spirit, you got to wake up to the reality. And what's a rebel? In my opinion, is somebody that's willing to talk about the truth. And our brains have been bought, Greg, you know this by the pharmaceutical industry, a billion dollars a day. Our brains have been bought with misinformation. Yeah. And it's a problem. And I was going over this with another practice member the other day who they said, you know, and her whole family comes in to get adjusted. And her husband is not consistent. And she said to me, you know, I'm really concerned about my husband because he's been on, I forget what the drug was. I'm not going to say it, but it's a brain drug for about going on 20 years for shingles. You know, in his face, he was getting all kinds of shingles. And so we looked it up on drugs.com, which I suggest that you do. Yeah. But people don't know how to make sense of the information that's there. So I'm going to help you make sense of it. If you go there and you put in whatever medication, there are side effects for the consumer. So You put it, type in the drug, you do a search, and it says side effects for the consumer. And you look at it, and it lists all these different side effects. And then it goes, if you keep scrolling, so the side effects for the consumer is like one page. And then the next 10 pages are side effects for the healthcare provider. And you look it up, and it says, listed by system, gastrointestinal system, cardiovascular system, nervous system. Uh, immune system, et cetera, et cetera, and the way that it lists it, if you really know how to look at it, it kind of makes you a little bit crazy and makes you want to be even more rebellious and stop taking them and find doctors that will help you get off of them, because it'll say like the cardiovascular system, more common, ten percent or more people, heart attacks, heart disease, shortness of breath, et cetera. Pulmonary system, more than ten percent, and then it goes more common, and it'll say less common, one to ten percent, or not common, less than 1%. And if you start going through the list and you add up the percentage of each of those, it is over 100% by far of the side effects that people are having, but they just become normal parts of your life. But what people have to understand is the physiological changes in that titration process, drop, 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 nothing happens. Those physiological changes in you are happening in mild side effects that over time can become very severe. And so at some point, if you want to gain control, take your life back, you're going to have to learn to live without all of those medications or as minimal as possible. I'm not saying there are some of you that desperately need them. I'm not mad at anybody. I get very passionate, you know, but I care about you. I love people and I love to see people win. And I don't like seeing people brainwashed by certain things. And I got to tell you, it's really empowering as you know greg when you cuz you're a change master yourself to see people take their life back
0: that is an incredibly great feeling for the person and then if it has the message has come from wherever it's come from just to watch the person sort of come back to life fully and know that they are doing something and you know i think caveat in case anybody needs it as you said some people need medication we're not saying that if you change your lifestyle to healthier ways of being that nothing is ever going to come along. Things happen. COVID happened. All kinds of things happen. We may have a genetic, you know, primp in our genes that causes something to show up at some point in our lives. But if you have on board a healthy, strong, vitality, immune system, all that good stuff, you're going to come through it more easily, more successfully, I believe, than somebody who has not that.
1: So true. And and let's go back to the gene thing that you just said, is that... Genes are not stagnant. Genes will change with your lifestyle choices. Your genetics and how they express themselves will change with your lifestyle choices. One of the quotes that I love out of the 100 Year Lifestyle, and this is very relevant to this conversation, and it goes like this is that your innate intelligence, that your body's innate intelligence, which everybody has an innate intelligence, everybody's listening to this and you're not thinking about your heartbeat because you have an innate intelligence running your body. So your innate intelligence will organize around the thoughts that you think, the choices you make, and the lifestyle that you live. Let's go back to the weight example. So if you overeat, if you did not have an innate intelligence and your body was not adaptable and you overeat, then your stomach would explode, your blood and guts would be everywhere, and you would be dead because you would not have the ability to adapt, right? But you have an innate intelligence and instead your stomach expands. Brilliant, right? Sends messages to your brain. Wow, winter's coming. We're overeating. We're preparing for a long winter. Okay, let's pack on the extra pounds. And then if you do that every day, constantly, and eight says, okay, I get it. You're looking to become a grizzly bear. Got it. It's going to be a very long winter. So we're going to pack on all this extra weight. And then over time, you look in the mirror. Maybe you wake up one day and you say, whoa, I did become a grizzly bear. But I don't want to be a grizzly bear. I want to be a human again. And so you change back. Like one of our uh, doctors that we're working with now, one of our 100-year lifestyle affiliates just lost close to 100 pounds. He didn't lose it. He eliminated it. And he said to me, I just interviewed him. We're going to interview him on a podcast next week. And he said, you know what? I realized I looked at myself and I adapted one way. Maybe I can adapt back. And so what happens is when you change back, your innate intelligence says, oh, okay, winter's over. Got it. Okay, you're going to become a human again. Okay, great. And so you start changing your life and your body adapts back. Well, that happens with anything. That happens with medication. That happens with all kinds of things. So when you, instead of blaming your genes, especially if you have a genetic condition, because people use that as an excuse or a reason, you know, I'm not going to change. I have diabetes, so I'm not going to change. This woman, when I was traveling to speak about the 100-Year Lifestyle about 15 years ago, 13 years ago, I sat next to her, she was on the plane and she says, you know, and I'm looking at the book and I'm trying to get, refamiliarize myself with the content. It's one of my first speaking engagements about it. And so I was a little nervous. And so she says, I think I need to read your book. I said, really, why? And I'm looking at her, she's about hundred pounds overweight. And she says, well, you know, my grandmother was diabetic. My mom's a diabetic and I'm pre-diabetic and diabetes runs in my family. And I said, well, with all due respect, and I'm going to tell you this because I care, is it that diabetes runs in your family or the lifestyle that causes diabetes runs in your family? And she says, whoa. And it was like right between the eyes. And when we assign these labels to our state, our condition, sometimes it's good. Most of the time, it's not good because if you allow yourself to become the label, It gives you a reason not to change and do things that are long term, not healthy for you. So, if you know you have an innate intelligence and you trust it and you're a rebellious spirit, you're going to say, Okay, I want to take my innate intelligence out for a test drive. I want to see what it can do. And we see it with our people all the time and they start to change. It's like we had a guy come in this morning. He's 58 years old, he's retired, he was overweight, he was not healthy starts getting adjusted his posture changes he starts to feel more athletic he goes out he's playing tennis and now he's coming in every day he made this switch from crisis care to lifestyle care he's playing tennis three to four times a week he doesn't feel 68 at the age of 58 he feels 38 at the age of 58 and he changed his life he didn't change his age
0: right really good point I wrote a book and it's based on the science of epigenetics but it's the title is your genes do not control the size of your genes j-e-a-n-s to make it approach you know people to understand and there is a story about a woman who also had a familial situation of weight gain at a certain age she was a client of mine and when she realized she didn't have to be like her sisters it posed a little bit of a problem and i'm bringing this up because people might be listening going well but my family will be offended or my family will think I'm making them wrong if I try to do something different for myself because I'm going to say now, I don't have to be like you. It's, it is a little bit sensitive, but it doesn't have to be about making anybody wrong. It just has to be what is right for you, what feels right for you to do. And it takes some courage. That's what we're talking about rebellious wellness. It takes a rebellious spirit to stand up for your own health, do it the way you want to do it
1: yeah i love that and uh you know what you're doing in the support system that people need to be courageous enough to make the change so people like you are so important out there in the world to have that kind of support and encouragement and here's what i've learned too every family needs a leader Mm -hmm. every family needs a leader every social group needs a leader and if the leader of that social group is taking you in a direction or that family group and you look in the mirror and you say you know what there's something more in it for me you don't have to make anybody wrong you, you making lifestyle changes, you changing yourself doesn't make anybody wrong, but you make the commitment to change. And initially they're going to say, oh, and they may treat you that way, but you don't have to take that position. You could say, no, listen, I just want to make myself healthier. I want to feel better. I know there's more in there for me. I know I'm capable of more. And so I'm making these changes. Don't take it personally. I'm just going to change and I'm going to do my thing and I'll leave you alone. And if you want to come along for the ride, come along for the ride. And if you don't, then you'll just have to suffer the consequences of not. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to make anybody wrong at all. But every family needs a leader. And I got to tell you, Greg, today, more than ever, people need leadership. Yeah. I give a lot of talks in a lot of places. And one of my favorite places at Life University, I give a talk every quarter to prospective students and their families. And we talk about how the world is in desperate need of new healthcare leadership. And uh, these young potential doctors, getting them to think differently in a world that is brainwashed. Literally, our brains have been bought, everybody, by billions of dollars a day. And the social pressures that come with the billions of dollars a day. And we have to wake up if we want to be healthy. Because here's the thing, whether you like it or not, want to or not, you're probably going to live longer than you ever thought. And you're either going to get there in style with health and vitality, or you're going to rot away or somewhere in between. And if you're not making the changes that you know you need to make and not making those changes is causing you some level of suffering, then you're setting yourself up for perpetual suffering for yourself and becoming a potential burden to your children and your grandchildren. And that's what we're seeing in the world today. And so, you know, when we say change comes so life-changing principle number two, that titration principle, the persistence principle is change comes one choice at a time. Think progress, not perfection. You're not going to get there overnight. It's not the first cookie that made you fat. It's all of them. It's not the first adjustment that got you better and your posture better. It's the combination of all of them over time. It's not the first workout that made you fit. It's all of them. And that's why the lifestyle is so important. And so the third life-changing principle to complete this thought is that if you're going to make a change, We call it the compelling principle. Why not make it with your ideal 100-year lifestyle in mind? You know, we call it living at 100% for 100 years. It sure beats 58% for 84 years. And so, you know, we have the opportunity right now, if you're conscious enough to listen to this and to follow Greg's advice and to listen to this conversation and it speaks to you. Then it's you know it's an exciting time for you to start thinking long term, start to create a long term vision, and make some compelling changes that keep you off the roller coaster. I think a lot of times if this is counterintuitive a little bit, Greg, because a lot of us say, "Well, let's start with short term goals." Well, I'm a long term goal person. Like, how do I want to live? How do I want to be when I'm 100? Well, I want to be healthy. I want to be fit. I want to play with my great great grandchildren. I want to travel the world. I want to have plenty of resources. I want to contribute back to society. I want to have a great relationship with my family, my wife, my children. I've been married 33 years. I celebrate my 33rd anniversary next uh, this Saturday coming up. I don't know if this podcast will be out by then. Maybe by the time you're hearing this, we already had a nice dinner and a celebration. But you know, these are the things that are important to me. So when I evaluate and I make my short-term goals, I do it with a long-term vision in mind.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that's really exciting for people when they start to pick their head up start thinking, wow, you know what? I really could live longer than I ever thought. So how could I make it worthwhile? And then it gets you off the roller coaster. It gets you through the tough times. It gets you through the COVID times. It gets you through the bad economies. It gets you through the roller coaster. And it gives you the strength and courage because you're thinking long term. You have something to live for that's compelling.
0: I think that's really brilliant. And you said something that really I had to stop the video and think about it when I was watching something on your website. And you talked about living to 100 versus not dying. And that was sort of an ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. It just resonated in my mind. And I think, uh, again, that goes back to your idea of commitment to live to 100 with vitality. Not just, oh, darn, I'm going to live probably longer than I expected. You know, hands over the ears, head in the sand kind of thing. And I'm not saying that everybody listening is doing that. But I do think we haven't, we haven't understood what it means to live possibly to 100. Certainly, chances are to 80, 85, 84, you know, those numbers are very common these days. And so what would you give, like if somebody, we all need to change things. Yes. What would be the one thing that you can give to people as we wrap up that will help them? To, you know, what's a good change for people to implement? Set a long-term vision that gets you up in the
1: morning every day and gets you excited. And stop buying into, you know, retirement is an outdated concept. You know, what you're saying, and I I love that you say that, not dying versus living. That's a continuum. It's not like one or the other. So, I mean, where are you on that spectrum? What's going to be the motivating factor for you? Is it going to be crisis motivation or quality of life motivation? And make a choice. Make a choice. to. Create the life you want with a long term vision in mind and watch what happens from there and start and just open up to that and get excited about that. And the people that you meet will be different. They'll look at you differently. There are people and all of these people, all of these resources are already in your world. Mm -hmm. But if you're waking up every day, not dying or not truly living or not thinking this way, you're not seeing what's literally right in front of your face. And so that's what is exciting when you commit to change all of a sudden it's like where did that come from well it was here all the time you know what i mean so you know that's why i think what you're doing what we're doing with 100 year lifestyle so many people out there and you know i'm excited to say we've been teaching this message for going on 20 years really and we're excited about it and you know i just love the fact that the world is waking up to our ideas and mm-hmm. One of the reasons why the world is waking up to our ideas is because the evidence of the destruction is on every street corner, basically in every community with assisting living centers. They're filled with beautiful souls, beautiful people that had no idea they were going to live this long. So they didn't know how to take care of themselves. So we are getting the advance notice. It's the opportunity to live differently than our parents and grandparents did and get there in style with health and vitality and then reorient the world with this long-term vision in mind.
0: I love that you say we got it. We have the only people that are getting advanced notice. And that is true. And let me just remind everybody listening, once you hear something, you can't unhear it. Once you know something, you can't unknow it. You can choose not to act on it, but it'll keep coming back when you need it.
1: Yeah, so we have, a, if you go to 100yearlifestyle.com, there's an article there called Calculate Your Longevity Potential. Oh. And it's going to ta- be completely relevant to you not anybody else, your potential based on your family history. You do this very simple, quick calculation. And so the good news is, is it's a pretty cool thing. The bad news is, but it's also a good thing. You're not going to be able to get it out of your head. When you come up with this number and you get this number and you see the number that is your minimum potential years remaining based on what we know about your family history, I dare you to try and get it out of your head which is a really good thing because you're going to get excited. You're going to get motivated. It's going to inspire you.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So it's the hundredyearlifestyle.com. Yes, your website. Yeah. And you have an ebook. We do. So there's an ebook up now. It's called Becoming a Least Vulnerable
1: Person. So if you want to learn how to become healthier and not live in fear, it's a great resource. It's free. We're giving it away to the world at this crazy time in history. I think it's important that people not be afraid, not live in fear, not buy into the fear. And if you're not a vulnerable person or if you're on the journey to make yourself less vulnerable, your fear goes away because you realize that, you know what, I have an innate intelligence. I have an immune system. I know how to take care of myself. And you know, if you do get COVID or the flu or pneumonia or anything else, you're probably less likely to get it and you'll probably get through it with a lot more strength and you'll be much more immune. I tell people all the time, if you're watching this right now, and you're listening to Greg and I talk, and you just went through this pandemic situation, you are much more immune today than you were a year ago. So stop living in fear and let's move into the future.
0: I love it. On that note, I think we can say amen. Let's move into the future with big goals and a desire to live with health and vitality. It's not that hard, Peeps, really.
1: Yeah. You're a great interviewer. Great job. Great energy. Great spirit. Thanks for your rebelness.
0: That's what he's going to call you, Greg. i going to call you your rebelness. Oh, I like that. Your ro- <laughs> royal rebelness, please. Thank you. <laughs> your royal rebelness. <happiness. laughs> Dr. Plasker, thanks so much. This was great. Lots of good information. And your enthusiasm is contagious. I don't know how anybody could not feel like they might want to look at their lifestyle and eh, give it a little tweak or two because of you. Well, so thanks again for your time. My pleasure. Same back to you. And peeps, I'll be back next week with another episode of Rebellious Wellness. Until then, be well. That's the end of another episode of the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If there's anything that you heard or hear when you tune in that you think would benefit a friend, a sister, a mother, hey, even some guys, send them my way, would you? And if you've not ever been to the website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com, head on over there. There are resources, things that I don't always get to on the podcast that might help you age better. Be well till next time and stay that way.